Just a quick announcement at the top of the show. Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode. And you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowres, the $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowres. Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. With me today is Hans, who uh, just fittingly changed his background to the famous... Famous actors associated with Lethal Weapon and the Lethal Weapon franchise. That's what we're talking about today, the Lethal Lethal, Lethal Weapon series with uh, with uh, Damon Wayans and that guy. I don't know who the guy is. Clayton McClain, I believe his name is. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that real? I don't know. I think his name is Clayton. Anyway, we got Jerry back on the show. Jerry, how are you doing? Hey, what up? How are you? Doing Johnny fantastic. Galecki? Johnny Galecki in Lethal Weapon. Who would you pair with Johnny Galecki in Lethal Weapon? Who would you what? what? Is the uh, hmm. If Johnny Galecki is the Mel Gibson, who who would you cast alongside him for the reboot? Who I don't know who Johnny Galecki is. It's uh, the kid from uh, Sixteen Candles. <laughs> okay. No, it's not right, okay. Sixteen Candles. I don't. Know. Okay. All no, that's right. Ducky. Whatever. That What's was John from, Cryer. Uh, He's yeah. a good, like, 15 years older than Johnny Galecki. Yeah, he plays bald guy now, right? He plays he, Lex he Luthor wearing and a wig. Supergirl, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Johnny Galecki's from uh, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, yeah. Roseanne. Roseanne, that's, that's, where I know, that's where I know him from. He might have been in Coneheads or some movie like that. I feel like he definitely played the boyfriend in some, some teen comedy film. In the early '90s or late '80s, let's let, let's just do this episode about Johnny Galecki, but only we can only talk about what we know about him. We're not allowed to look up anything else. We have to do it for an hour. I think that's a fantastic plan, jo- Hans. <laughs> what is who who? What is your favorite Johnny Galecki moment? Oof. Um, when he tries to get pussy and Big Bang Theory, and he doesn't. <laughs> that's so not like, I like the whole series. <laughs> that's all I know from his character. That he's always trying to like get with a girl, and the girl doesn't or does. I don't know. I'm, I hate I'm, that. I'm, I hate that. Like, I actually legitimately watched the first maybe two or three seasons of that show uh, on DVD a lot because I, I just acquired them somehow. Right whenever I first moved into like uh, the first home that I moved into with my fiance several years ago. Uh, and that's all we had was like the office, a few seasons of the office, a few seasons of the big bang theory and a, a handful of fucking movies. So we would just constantly watch essentially those four or five things over and over and over. So I saw a lot of big bang theory early on. I, I hate the knowledge that I have of that content. <laughs> okay. Well, what's your favorite, what's Johnny your Galecki favorite moment? Johnny Galecki moment? <laughs> Damn, that sucks. Because <laughs> there's so many, <laughs> so hard to choose. Because I actually have to think now, and I remember thinking it was funny. An episode. Is it the one where he gets something about Star Trek wrong? No, I think that happened a lot. I think he would be oh. partially incorrect, and fucking the giraffe dude would be like, "Nah, this other thing." What's his name? Spencer? No, what is it? Spencer uh, Confidential. Yes. Are you talking I about think my theory starring Mark Jim Walker? Parsons? Yeah, yeah Jim Parsons. <laughs> Jim Par- I just watched him in a Netflix movie that's a remake of a William Friedkin film called "The Boys in the Band," and it's just a it's a, a gay party that's held in the 1960s. That's the whole thing. That's essentially the whole thing. It's Jim Parsons being being kind of an asshole to people. Does he just play that same character that he plays on? Everything? He's playing himself. That's himself, Hans. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with, uh, you know, we've covered a Jim Parsons movie before, all three of us. Uh, the uh, extremely wicked, shockingly vile That's Zach right. Efron movie. He was oh, the yeah. attorney right. in that. He actually was pretty good in that because he just was an asshole, like an asshole attorney. And that's kind of the role, right? A, a gay asshole. <laughs> 
the way he said it's weird. <laughs> so Leave the Weapons a movie by Richard Donner. He directed Superman. He directed The Goonies. He is uh, one of the big blockbuster directors for Warner Brothers of the 1980s era. And uh, I, I suppose late 70s. Uh, this script was written by Shane Black, who is the master of the, the buddy cop genre. He would later go on to do The Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, Predator, and The Predator. Predator. Was it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the fourth Predator movie? I have not seen that. I've heard mixed to negative things about it. Uh, it's like It's like one of those things where it could be a lot fucking worse knowing how uh, remakes and 30-year-old sequels can be. Uh, it could be a lot worse. So I think that, I don't know, J Jake might also agree with this. I think that it's it's kind of like, okay, at least, at least it didn't fucking go way off the fucking rails. This is more tolerable than I thought it was going to be. So you might give it, like, better marks. But if you were going in there at all um, with a with a different idea <laughs> where you're just like, I'm expecting good. You're probably going to come out. Not, not enjoying it. I, I was just expecting a lot worse. Uh, I mean, do you consider predators, the Adrian Brody, Topher Grace starring uh, pseudo reboot worse than that film? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that worse? to me was, that to me was pretty bad. I thought, I mean, it's not, maybe they're not worse. Maybe they're kind of like similar in that, it's it's really going to be more based on how you go into it, I think, generally speaking. You know, I'm not like a super nostalgia hog or whatever, so I I gen generally don't give a shit whenever a remake or a reboot is, <clears throat> excuse me, super bad. But uh, I think I, I I think I disliked that one more than I disliked the Shane Black one. Well, I mean, what what did you dislike about that one? I thought it was pretty standard action fare for. I mean, I didn't really have any expectations. So, uh, in fairness. You know, maybe if you're your big Predator fan, then, you know, that could definitely uh, fall short. I don't think it's a particularly good movie. And I think Topher Grace is kind of embarrassing in it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Lawrence Fishburne is kind of kind of weird in that movie. He's just fat and uh, sneaky. What's <laughs> <laughs> that? I guess a good way to describe him in that film. I don't. I don't. I could. I don't really know if I could articulate. Uh, so many years removed, what I disliked about it. Um, I. I, I think that I, I felt that it was sort of generic. It's kind of more of an old, an older action, sort of setup. Maybe like a early two thousands action film. Uh, more than it is in like the most recent thing. You know, now action films are like f fucking jumping cars out of helicopters and quadruple backflips and the superhero, you know, holding onto a helicopter. Like it's the weirdest fucking shit in comparison. Uh, and that's a lot more, I would say reserved in, in those aspects. Um, you know, more akin to like a 2007 type action film, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I was never really, I was never really a, uh, like big into it. I don't know, I've seen it maybe like two or three times since it came out. And I just feel like comparatively speaking in, in, in my brain, I just, I think I liked it less than the Shane Black one, but I kind of know that they're both bad. All right. Fair enough. I mean, it's kind of, it felt like a, I think in retrospect, it's kind of like a prototype to suicide squad. Mm -hmm. We have like all the, all the bad guys are trapped on this particular planet and then they got to do this and that. They got to figure out a way to survive and, Oh, it's a twist. Topher Grace is a serial killer. Wow. Wasn't that also Stone Cold's movie where they're in an island? They, have they, to fight they to just the took the concept of Battle Royale for that movie, which yeah. I think is called The Condemned. Yes. And they put it's Stone great. Cold as the lead. <laughs> it's so bad. It's great. I Here's what uh, I remember about that movie is you're, you, know, you are getting introduced to the character for, for the first time. He's in his prison cell. He's in the shadows. And you see his hand. And he has a butterfly, and it's sparkling, and then it just flies away. He's got beauty in his hand, and you know he's a gentle yeah. man when he wants That's to. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Looking great. So much three. That's the three-dimensional character. <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely did that thing in that one where they had like the Asian dude is the samurai ninja, right? Like I thought that was 
I always think that's fucking strange. Whenever they're like, the, the what? Okay, our one Asian guy. What is he? What is he? Oh, he's a fucking samurai. No, he's an ancient Chinese warrior. That's the dude that we're bringing in. Like, I mean, I get it for like your story. What do you want him to do? Mean, capoeira? <laughs> you want him to do a fucking? They do capoeira and lethal weapon. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong Fair with enough. that. It's an actual fighting style. <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. I guess you can bring like a a, a black taekwondo guy instead of. <laughs> <laughs> you can bring Bruce Leroy. Bruce Leroy from yeah, the yeah, Buster Rhymes for that. Don't you remember Buster oh, yeah, Rhymes yeah. watching the original Wu Tang movies and Halloween Resurrection, practicing yeah, in his yeah, hotel yeah. room? That could yeah, be great. Show enough. All right, so we have career. Johnny Galecki and Buster Rhymes is the legal. <laughs> But Buster yes, Rhymes, but now. it has to be thick Buster yeah, it, Rhymes. Yeah, thick Buster Rhymes, but it's, it's set in the two thousand, like two thousand five. So it has all the humor and every like technology and everything from hell. Time. Yeah, yeah. But with them now, yeah. Mm. So it's just thick Buster Rhymes, and now Johnny Galecki. That you know he doesn't have to care because he's a zillionaire. I think I think one of the defining genres of the aughts is actually like the uh, it's not buddy cop comedy, but just buddy comedy. Because you have a lot of movies like that. Uh, you know what I watched recently is all about the Benjamins, where they were just deciding to give Ice Cube and Mike Epps random movies because they couldn't do Friday for some reason. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that movie's not particularly good, but I, it's amusing enough. You know, they also had the black lady and white guy trope. No, that's what they're the doing brothers. now. That's Ed Helms and Monique on Netflix right now. What was that movie you brought up? Taxi, Taxi with the... the taxi uh, was oh, Jimmy Fallon and Queen, Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. Fred Willard had one with... Oh, no, that one was Samuel with Jackson, also, I think. Uh, oh, okay. You had Eugene Levy and Queen Latifah. Eugene Levy, well. that's the one. No, Fred, and Willard. Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah was getting all kinds of work. As that, though, as that character, <laughs> the sassy black partner, of a nerdy white all guy. kinds of work. That sounds like a like a black dude saying that this lady's got a fat ass. Damn, <laughs> she getting all kinds of work back there. <laughs> she went from being the lesbian that, for whatever reason, Will Smith wants to fuck in French Prince, which was like the most unbelievable part of that whole series. And he like falls in love for her, and he's like, "Really? She's bigger than you, dude. <laughs> like, what are you doing?" Uh, and then now, yeah, like a partner. What is he? What what stage of her career is Queen Latifah? She's going she's now? the she, equalizer now. She got. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she replaced Denzel for the CBS show. Oh shit! Uh, oh wow. That, okay. I guess that has you know good uh, TV ratings for whatever TV ratings are. I guess it's a quote unquote popular show. I I can't tell you what that means on television, but that's that's one of those they series say. they decided to bring back. Um, Kind of Miami, not my, not Miami Vice. Uh, was it Hawaii Five O and Magnum PI style, where they'll just they have the property, they're not doing anything with it. It's probably better to reboot that than to create a brand new uh, series from scratch using some actors that are familiar with people. That's uh, that's a very cute look, Jerry. You get to see that? <laughs> oh, I didn't even get to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's just getting familiar with Zoom for the first time. For, for those watching the video here, uh, you're in for a treat. You should have just left awesome. him. Awesome. Not knowing and just having make a point with bunny ears. I've been playing with all of these features right here, just trying to get a picture to show up on the fucking background. I have no idea every single person. It's the little, the little plus sign on top. There's a little plus on top, and you can add. You know. I did that, but it won't accept any images. The software hates me, dude. Well, it's not important. We're on. We're on a, a show. We're talking about <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Uh, yeah. About. I actually was the one that suggested that suggested this because, uh, mo more or less because I wanted to talk about the the concept of the buddy cop film and sort of like the death of it as we are in the the modern age of film. It feels more like. Uh, two people. I mean, it's the same with comedy. It feels more like two people just feeding off of each other uh, and creating an atmosphere it is essentially dead. I mean, even even road trip, buddy road trip films, you don't see those ever. Uh, not mm. to say that they're like fucking great, you know what I mean? But I, I feel like 
this concept of lethal weapon is not something that they actually do now this template where you take the the two polar opposites and sort of make them uh work together but it's solely them there's not a bunch of other pieces around them most people couldn't tell you other characters from lethal weapon than migs and and rigs and murtaugh and like that's the same with like uh uh beverly hills cop you essentially latch into the two characters right and then for the that period that's what you're thinking is their character development and not how the other people help them do it. Everything now feels like a, a one-off of the Avengers. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what absorbed uh, that genre. And I think you can point to Iron Man three, which Shane black directed as the first instance of that, or at least the first very transparent instance of that, where you're using Robert Downey Jr. And Robert, uh, excuse me, Don Cheadle's characters in that franchise uh, to produce what feels a lot like a Lethal Weapon or Nice Guy style movie. I mean, the Nice Guys really is kind of the end of that era because yeah. I don't believe that movie performed well at the box office. I know that they were thinking about uh, rebooting that with uh, women for a TV show. And also around that time, you you have the Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock, like female version of that. So yeah. it all oh, comes yeah. to... Ahead in 2016 or so and bottoms out, I think. Um, now, I think you're exclusively finding all sorts of comedies previously folded up into Disney Marvel properties, which we talked about at length. It's not really an interesting subject at this point, but I think it's very relevant to the trajectory of what does, I guess, start with Lethal Weapon. Or maybe you could point back to like TV shows like I Spy, where you have, I think, Robert Culp and Bill Cosby. And uh, Miami Vice, which isn't really a humorous show. As a matter of fact, um, those characters, by comparison to the characters in Lethal Weapon, aren't as fun or as dynamic. Uh, but it is a quality series, of course. I've got it right here behind me, the entire series. Um, See, a, a great example of that, too, on, on like a modern-ish uh, property is something like Burn Notice. Where you have a main character as Michael Weston, who's a uh, main spy. Right. Then he has a sidekick who's his girlfriend, uh, who at first is like an enemy, but then she becomes like the partner. Uh, and then you have the older character, Bruce Camp. Bruce Camp. <laughs> Bruce Campbell, that is, you know, like the quippy and like the one that helps him. Uh, accomplish everything that he needs to accomplish. I think that was, you know, he ran for like seven seasons. And how how many <laughs> how many different properties have we like content bits of content have we made with Hans, where he brings up fucking bird notice, <laughs> like it's been on Civic TV. It's been it, it, uh, uh, he brought up bird notice on my podcast. He brought up bird notice. I think almost every time we've been here on this podcast together. That guy just fucking loves Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a picture in our group chat of him like holding the entire series on DVD. <laughs> you know those girls yeah. that make like The Office their entire identity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's Burton. It's a shame that that show was before memes. Otherwise, I, I have a folder full of just, just them looking stoic and then just. I don't know something quippy like impact font <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you're you're not wrong. Um, so sort of like entourages are like everything now, right? Like entourage films yeah. are all over the place, and um, there there's so there's so many different aspects of the even the 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 lone wolf or the uh, the buddy setup that are just sort of like taken out and gone. Remember before things like uh. Things like Lethal Weapon, things like uh, Die Hard, a lot of those films were based around a core incident that was going to happen. One thing, we're going to blow up this building, we're going to blow up this city block, uh, we're going to rob a bank truck, whatever the fuck it is. And and it was a lot more contained. You know, you can imagine a dude 30 miles away has no fucking idea what's going on. Right. This dude, not a hero to me, just some random fucking cops, some dumb bullshit shadow organization right nobody knows about it now it's very much like oh fucking super core the massive conglomerate that everybody knows about is doing this thing there's a mega bad guy there's not a, a secret syndicate with you know levels and 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 different things like that and complexity it's just there's a bad guy 
he has goons. You have to go through the goons to get to the bad guy, and then there's a standoff with the bad guy, and it's over. Like I don't, I, I get that. I'll, I'll probably give Snowpiercer a lot of credit for using that formula in its setting, but at the same time, when you take that formula and you keep inserting it into the modern action over and over and over with the Entourage thing, it's it just, it's just to me. I, I look back to things, even when we were talking about uh, Heat not too long ago, like just one thing going on in one location is so much more interesting than this global fucking like like these Mission Impossible films where you got to start in China and then you got to go. Now you're in South Africa. It's, it's like it's like a beat em up. It's like a beat em up arcade game, right? You start right. in one place and you have a mission and you have a team, uh, but they don't all fight at the same time because it will be too easy. So it's just one or two at a time and they all have different missions. And and mm-hmm. there you have to go through henchmen and then the the more you move forward, the stronger they become and then you get to the boss and the boss at the end is not even that complicated to beat. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's very much just that same thing over and over again. <clears throat> Yeah, and I, it, when you look back at films like, I mean, well, we're talking about Lethal Weapon. When you look back at films like Lethal Weapon, you get characters uh, that feel rooted in reality. Their backgrounds are like, I fought in Vietnam. I'm a 30-year fucking cop veteran or whatever it is. And they have their own complexities based on that. And it's not this sort of this thing where it's like, well, I'm just goofy. And I just like to bend the rules. They have reasons for being the complex characters they are. It's also a cheat, right? Uh, because when you have a, a group of more than four, you don't really have to spend that much time developing their personalities because there are so many that you can just show them doing something different uh, and that that's enough, or at least they think that's enough. Instead of something like uh, Lethal Weapon, where at the beginning, our main character, he lives in like a shitty mobile home uh, in like a shitty part of, of town and he is putting a gun into, I mean, a bullet into a gun because he wants to shoot himself. Like, we, that's our first image of our hero. He's just in his shitty house. And uh, that has so much depth that is usually not added into uh, newer properties because, yeah, they spend more time just creating a team around them and the banter between them and not enough on just showing us who the character is, uh, which is why mm-hmm. it's more difficult to connect with them. Or Just like when them. Stone Cold was holding the but- butterfly in the prison yeah, cell. Exactly. And it was ready to fly yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Tells you everything you need yes. to know about the character. True. I, I mean, that's that's a little better than, you know, if, if the team shows up and they're just like, yeah, he's the blah, blah, blah. And he killed so many blah, blah, blah. And they just tell you, which is right. what they do now is just just show me them doing something instead. Yeah, well, they, they do that montage it. thing now, right, where everybody's in the room and it's like Davis security ops. And then they right. like show him doing a double backflip. Remember fucking. uh 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 oceans 11 set that up where it was like every time they got to a new person that they were going to recruit it would show them doing their fucking wicked skill right there in front of the people now they just straight up tell you they just tell you chun lee the kicking cop and you're like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) well i think someone that that uh was able to do the buddy cup or buddy guy i guess what do you want to call it the buddy the friend the buddy comedy ish uh it's uh edgar wright with that trilogy uh with the cornetto trilogy because even though he was mocking the the genres that he was doing like the the relationship between the two characters was still the most important thing in the moment what drove it forward really uh and i still think that those three movies hold up uh still really well done and still funny um, so that one, I think, I don't think it's mentioned enough when it comes to this sub-genre of, of action, I guess. Yeah, Hot Fuzz might be, I mean, and, and especially for like in the UK where that's even rare of a genre to be employed, uh, might be uh, an exception to that. That That's a that's a good comedy that still, I think, also holds up to, to this yeah. day. Well, even... even um... I mean, when we talk about maybe like the issue of entourages in a lot of modern action, when you look at like we'll say Shaun of the Dead before that, they do have that entourage, but it's based around the buddies, right? The the mm-hmm. conflict that happens solely happens because of the way those two interact with each other. If if Nick Frost just shuts up, they just go get his fucking uh, mom and dad, and then they go like to the place or whatever. If Simon Pegg just chills the fuck out. He could just probably bang the chick that he wants to bang. But 
the two of them bouncing off each other, one making mm. the other one more neurotic, the other one uh, being complacent in this one's bad decisions, makes the story roll on. And you're like, that's the conflict of friendship that you fucking want. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like what what we got in something like Nice Guys, even like we were talking about Nice Guys earlier, um, it feels very like vintage, right? Like the mm. format feels old now and old and good. Like I, I want to see these two these two bounce off each other and sort of force each other into weird situations. I understand that it's going to come with a very cliche fuck you you did this to me no fuck you and then they go their separate ways but at the same time it's like i would rather get that from two people that i really like than say five people all at the same time doing the exact same thing and needing to spider web back together yeah they just have a a montage of all of them being sad by themselves (laughs) 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 and they're just like trying to do doing a thing that they used to do with the other and then they're just not there and it's just (sighs) probably (laughs) like two two years ago three years ago uh jake and i did a show on um hear no evil see no evil and we're talking about the richard Pryor gene wilder combination being a fucking you know underused and and like i mean iconic fucking duo and i i feel like those things got tapped into at different periods and we lost out on a lot of good opportunities and now that those formats are essentially dying the only way to get them is to do um like aesthetic based films like when we were talking about nice guys it takes place right not now that's probably a better idea to make things just not happen in current year if you're going to do these this combination because audiences are primed to just all that they want that that five six seven character fucking thing like you watch fast and the furious and the thing people care about is like oh that's han i can't wait to see side character number 18 like that there everybody has a favorite side character or whatever like it's dragon ball z when the reality it's is family it's for family you know? <laughs> <laughs> the reality is i think that if you do if you do something set in even like 1995 and you do something similar to bad boys but you make it now it's gonna be fucking fire just because like we're waiting for something good well like, how, hold on they did do template. bad boys again recently how did that fare i mean actually that might it's, not it's, be a fair question because it, i think it dropped in 2020 when everything was shut down right well it's a it's a a mixture of one of those things where it's like it's a it's a it's a not horrible 20 year old fucking sequel or whatever um but it doesn't do anything like it's not it's no new content from bad boys it's it's remember this joke from bad boys remember this joke from bad boys remember this joke from bad boys 2 and you're like yeah i remember those jokes could you do new ones no 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 yeah. i'm just asking you if you remember these old uh... ones okay the movie's over now and i mean so it's always going to be unfair to say, well, just do this template. It's going to be good because obviously when that template's done, it needs to be executed a certain way. But I would that's like for never... people to take from that template and execute it better. That's why I'm never excited about those sequels that come out so long after because it seems like they always just fall into that. Like they don't try to come up with more creative ways of maybe doing the same type of joke. The, but the only one but instead... That I can think of that tried to do something different was uh, Train Spotting 2. And even that kind of taps into certain things about that original movie, but then takes the plot in a completely different direction and offers a, a very different outcome and trajectory for many of those characters. Otherwise, you're looking at a Dumb and Dumber 2 situation or Zoolander 2 situation or Anchorman Joe 2. Joe Dirt or Anchorman. Why well, did you watch Joe Dirt 2? No, no, but I'm sure. I'm sure that's You're what sure, it huh? You know what? I, th- I think we got an episode on Joe Dirt 2 coming up. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. If you want to put your money where your mouth is, Hans. I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to now. <laughs> 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 uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, all of these. Well, B- B- Bill and Ted was another one that was kind of like, okay, right, yeah. cool, but it's still the same type of jokes without any you know updating or anything i thought the whole the whole bill and ted thing like for being bad it felt more like hey guess what we're gonna do uh more of these but it's gonna be the girls we're gonna do a tv show or something but it's gonna be with the girls it felt like a setup for more shit but then it's like it's not good enough for that i don't it's not good enough 
to be a setup for more shit, but it feels like that's what they wanted. Well, that's what they're all doing, right? With those franchises that they think they can milk. It's just like, let's set up a, a universe with it. And it's like, not everything needs to have a universe. Not everything is interesting enough to have a, a universe of it. You know, sometimes it's just a condensed story of two characters or a group of characters or whatever. It should end there and that's it. Like, I would prefer for them to plan a good movie instead of let's make a movie that's going to set up something else if it is successful, like with Mortal Kombat or, you know, things that were just like, give me a fucking movie. I don't Yeah, don't, don't tease Johnny Cage. Just give me Johnny Cage. Just give let's, me Johnny let's Cage. Let's live for the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Otherwise, you wind up with, uh, you know, a bunch of actors posing for a photo for 70 films that will never be released or come out or be put into production, just like the, the dark universe, the monster universe yeah. at Universal mm, yeah. Pictures, which is... Uh, Obviously, very unfortunate. We could have had Johnny Depp's Invisible Man or something by now. Uh, anyway, let's let's talk a little bit more about Lethal Weapon because uh, I think this is one of the hallmark action films of the 1980s. I think it's very well directed by Richard Donner and avoids falling into the same mold that 48 Hours uh, created in maybe 1980 or 81, where you have, all right, we got the white cop, we got the black well, he's not a cop in 48 hours. He's a convict, but he's essentially be serving as a cop for the duration of the film. Um, you have obstacles to overcome. It's a bit of an adventure. Uh, and they also flip it, I think, uh, from 48 hours where Nick Nolte is like the old curmudgeon uh, and Eddie Murphy's like the wild, hip, crazy, youthful guy. That's more Mel Gibson here, although they take it in a, in a dark direction with him being suicidal because his wife is dead. Right. And uh, Danny Glover is like, you know, he's just very tired. You know, he's got a family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, those... those well, are, it, that, go ahead. Go on. Okay. Well, those are like complexities, right? That you you as the viewer, you have to sort of suss out the reasons why they're doing the stuff uh, in most film, like why, why does this guy act this way? And they give you very clear reasoning. Like if this dude is fucked up, his wife is dead. He's a Vietnam war vet. Like these guys, these guys have f enough going on um, that, you know, their comp, their pairing would probably be a terrible idea. And <laughs> you know what I mean? In the real world, real life. but in like this action moving movie setting, Neither one of these guys should be the type of person that would be able to take on that other person's emotions and like empathize with them because they have enough on their fucking plate and the, and they do. And they have one of like, they think the best bonds in, in film history, whenever it's like, well, lethal weapon four and, uh, uh, Mel Gibson showing up to Danny Glover's granddaughter's wedding. And he's like part of the family and it's fucking beautiful you love it because you've watched them grow and like create that that buddy bond it, it, it it's one of the, it executes it probably better than like any other film i want to say well you know i i would agree with that and i i think it helps that uh these two actors also genuinely liked each other which is not the case with your background hans damon wayne's fucking hated that guy and petitioned for him to be fired and used every opportunity he could to make sure that man got fired now right, uh also it doesn't seem like Don Johnson and his partner back here were really that friendly. And throughout Miami Vice, you kind of see the partner getting weeded out of the situation, and it becomes the Don Johnson show. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say that uh, something that I noticed at the beginning of the movie is just a very simple and quick way that the two characters were set up before they even met with each other, uh, which is, uh, well, the, the first shot initially... Uh, which just sets up the tone for the movie perfectly of the, the girl that just jumps out of the balcony and, and falls uh, POV uh, into the car. And then uh, we set up uh, what's Riggs, right? That's yep. his name, Riggs? Mm -hmm. Riggs and Murta. Um, <clears throat> as this guy that's, you know, living in this shitty house, uh, wanting to kill himself, his life sucks. He wakes up and he's just like, fuck, fuck, like, I hate my life. And then you have uh, Mort Mortok, or however you say the name, and he's... Uh, taking a bath and his family come into the bathroom and they're just like, Oh, we love you, dad. And we love do you, you ever do that for your dad? Hans? Do you ever just surprise <laughs> yeah. your dad in the bathtub? <laughs> and yeah, I would sit and sit in front of him. And just tell him the story. <laughs> do you sit on the edge of the bathtub and sing to him? 
Yeah, just uh, touch knees together. Uh, <laughs> no, but but you know that that's a, a perfect and very quick, easy way to set up the huge difference between them two. So then, once they come against each other or interact for the first time, uh, the way they react to each other, you understand it immediately because they come from completely different life situations. So that, those very simple, what two minutes maybe that you spend with each set up their uh, relationship immediately by the time they meet up. So everything makes sense. And even the way that they grow with each other makes sense. Uh, now I feel like everything is so rushed that things like those two minutes uh, are not appreciated enough uh, because they make you care for the characters and it just takes, you know, nothing. Uh, so th- like this, a little bit what, of you're, sure. what you're discussing right now is actually something um, completely separate that I think I've observed with a lot of modern films, which is that big movies are kind of, uh, they seem to be afraid to add any scenes that do not directly tie into the plot. Like what you're talking about are big character building moments that are relevant to the story, but maybe don't serve a function to the plot and where these characters are going to wind up going because they have a problem they're, they're trying to solve. Uh, you don't see that too often. It's usually, all right, we're going to hop into what the the primary issue is here within the first 15 to 20 minutes. And then everything mm-hmm. that you learn about these characters is going to happen throughout that task that they are trying to fulfill. All the skills are related to the thing that they wanted to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, it's what I was going to say about character development and like Mur- Murtaugh is like 50 and a homicide detective that's like one of the hardest cop jobs to have (laughs) because Mm. because it's constant interactions with i mean murder you know what i mean and murderers and solving those cases and like having him wrapped into a situation that isn't just paperwork that isn't regular just sit down uh um you know who did you see on these days and regular interrogations but like needing to stop a guy who's also kidnapped a member of his family, fucking tor- will torture his partner, you know what I mean? With a partner he doesn't even like. Like, it's fucking insane for, like, a homicide detective. And this other dude's just a drunk, like, <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Sad Wild boy card. cop. Yeah. yeah. And otherwise would just be fucked up. But, like, he's now also roped into a situation where the gravity is much higher than the two of them, but still much smaller than the whole world or the whole city. It's like his very self-contained story that I think what, uh, one of the things that makes it so good to, uh, to go back to now, you know, practical effects and all that shit is re uh, revisiting that particular character development style, you know, where it's dark It both characters have dark backgrounds and there's not, not really as many like happy go lucky, everybody's sucking each other's dicks moments. Like a lot of other films do. Uh, what did you guys think it's, of the subdued Gary Busey as the antagonist of this movie? Isn't it pre-brain injury, Gary Busey? It's. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't human. think so. I think. I think his brain injury might have been '86, and well, actually, I guess technically he could have shot it before that. Um, I, it was fairly late in the '80s that Lethal Weapon came out, though, didn't it? I believe it was '87. Uh, yeah, '87. And I think his his brain injury happened uh, in the it's early to mid eighty four. I mean eighty eight, eighty eight. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. 88 oh, happened, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, mm. So it is. It's just before. That's probably why it feels subdued. Yeah, yeah. We still have Buddy Holly, Gary Busey. Not I'm. Yeah, with yeah, Busey, yeah. He Busey. looks. That's yeah. what I was telling. I was not telling Celebrity Apprentice we started, Busey. Before we started recording, that uh, it's weird to see human Gary Busey where he looks like a just regular person that's not just grinning and wide-eyed and <laughs> gigantic like yeah. even his teeth look normal yeah but hold on uh, <laughs> well, before before we started this call and before Jerry hopped on the line we were looking into Predator 2 where he is one of the main characters of that film and you said he seemed normal in that movie now I've been under the impression for a little bit that it wasn't the brain injury that got him acting up that it was the cocaine abuse that resulted in Gary Busey being the Gary Busey of today. Yes. I don't know. Let me Is that see. Because I've also seen in an interview with him, I think on David Letterman or Johnny Carson, one of the, 
uh, a talk show host of the, the 80s, after that incident occurred on his uh, motorcycle where he crashed it, and he seems very functional and normal. Now, he is an actor, so... Right. He may have been acting normal. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that is that. That's how brain injury totally works, but maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I think it's just bad acting. I just looked at a scene and it's just bad acting. I don't know if it's just him being a free, being brain damaged, but it's yeah, it's not. It's not good. What were you going <laughs> to say? Good. What were you going to say? Because being a freak. <laughs> Being brain damaged, you caught yourself <laughs> yeah. saying something. I don't I want to call him a freak. He's not oh, a, freak. a freak. <laughs> yeah, wow. He's not a freak. He's just brain damage. You know, he's a that's brain why... damaged elderly man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I, that's why I stub myself. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Oh, that oh, that yeah. brain damaged elderly man won a season of Celebrity Big Brother. So you think about that. Just how how freakish could he be? Yeah, so, you're right. You know what? I'll I'll fight him. I'll box him. Uh, <laughs> celebrity <the> boxing. <laughs> yeah, I'll celebrity box Gary Busey. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed about this movie that I forgot about is how much saxophone music is there is. In it. In every, oh yeah, yeah. Every yeah. scene Hell is just yeah. like a, a an erotic sax in the background. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's good. It's another what? thing that you don't really like. It's very of the time. Very like. Very steamy Showtime made-for-TV Skinamax movie. It's weird to see that in like a blockbuster movie, right? Where it's like the the very dramatic scenes like where he's with the gun and it's just a very intense saxophone player playing in the background. It's great. I love that shit. Like fucking, that's such a dead aesthetic, dude. It's such a fucking dead aesthetic. (laughs) And I fucking love every bit of it. Like, I uh, we were talking about this on Civic TV, this sort of like steamy streets, grimy, fucking, you know, 1980s inner city look. That meshed with some badass saxophone and like, I don't know, purple yeah. neon lights. Like, that's the shit right there. Fucking make yeah. that movie a thousand times. Don't even have dialogue. I don't even care. Just like, just like Cinema Verite, yeah. just show that. I'll watch it. Yeah, just you can of that. smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll be a crackhead shooting up under some great ambient light and some badass sax. I'm cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's it, it's it's it was a little jarring because of that. You know that whenever you see a blockbuster, that's not really what you hear. Even like orchestra music, I think that's not really used anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's very modern now, and that sucks. Like it, I, I feel like this gives it such a bigger feeling to the movie even if it's not like a huge movie having something like that maybe maybe not the saxophone but but you know having like the, the orchestra or like or like something like that yeah. on a movie like this uh is just like it makes it yeah sound like a bigger thing than than what actually is cute legs <laughs> <laughs> well all right so so to speak about soundtracks like one of my favorite soundtracks in any film uh is is a soundtrack to the rock uh the sean connery nicholas cage movie about breaking okay. into alcatraz and that's because it's like it's like han zimmern right and it's just fucking over the top dude it's so <laughs> hardcore it's more fit for like a medieval war movie or lord of the rings or some shit but it's like sean connery crawling through a fucking sewer some 80 year old scottish dude just like crawling on all fours they are in quiet would just sound like squish 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 but instead it's dun, 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 like it's fucking huge on top of it and i kind of miss listening to soundtracks like that like hearing uh the scene when you hear the song i feel like lethal weapon is one of those things where if you put on the soundtrack you could just imagine any scene in lethal weapon you'd be wrong about the timestamp, but you could still see lethal weapon perfect you know that's, that's kind of interesting yeah. that the maximalist action film did wind up, I think, crushing what Lethal Weapon's genre was, which was kind of more laid back. I mean, it was a blockbuster. It was big. It was explosive for the time. But you do get wiped out by the Michael Bay types around that mid-late 90s era uh, with movies like The Rock and Con Air and Bad Boys. Yep, yep. Well, you know what? Planes, right? Fucking... Well, now you can blow up a plane. It doesn't cost mm-hmm. nearly as much in, in 1997 than it did in fucking 1987 to blow up a plane for your action film. 
now shit gets bigger. You know what I mean? Now you get a fucking big ass because all those movies have big ass planes in them. Yeah, you can explode <laughs> helicopters and shit. Michael yeah, Bay. It doesn't matter. So yeah. I, I don't always say like, oh, I love self-contained film, but the uh, the Rock is so fucking good <laughs> because it starts out. Oh, there's a special forces team. They got a super fucking chemical that they're gonna fucking release into the city or some shit and they broke into fucking Alcatraz another special forces team is gonna have to break in there everybody's dead now it's just the old dude and like the computer guy and he's gonna save the day oh shit he's dying from the thing he's gotta stab himself in the fucking heart now he's gotta go outside that's my favorite fucking part in almost any action film when he goes outside he's gotta tell the jets to not blow up Alcatraz and kill him because he saved the day already and he goes, he's all fucked up. He throws the flares. He's like, ah! and the fucking jets are like there. So jets move very quickly, hundreds of miles an hour. <laughs> this didn't have time to like circumvent Alcatraz, run upstairs and switch flares. And the last guy, second yeah. that he starts doing this, the fucking jets fly by and are like, oh, don't bomb him. It's such a hype over the top moment that is stupid as fuck. <laughs> and like I get I get that that's the template for what we have now in action but god damn it dude when you re when you re uh 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 revisit like things like the rock like 1997 1995 action it's always like oh fuck yeah that's a huge ass gunfight oh my god everybody's dead fuck yes <laughs> yeah they loved spending money in the 90s that's one Hell of the biggest yeah. things con air similar to that is just Amazing. Speed, speed, yeah, no, Speed 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 falls into that category, definitely. Speed is fucking good, dude. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, fucking, so, like, all right, there's a bit of a tangent, but the natural evolution of these films uh, meant that things like Die Hard, or this, this genre, meant that these films like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon had to eventually fit the mold. So you had now uh 60 year old danny glover and 53 year old fucking mel gibson fighting like 30 year old jet lee in lethal weapon 4 well that that's and, uh... what i wanted to say is doesn't lethal weapon kind of succumb to the mold that we're griping about today where it's a team because mm-hmm. in the third actually in the second movie they introduced joe pesci's character and he's just kind uh-huh. of a supporting character but by the third one they start marketing him like he's part of that team and it becomes a trail he's in the middle he's got fake hands on them and his eyes are like that on the poster it's uh okay. it's um and he's really annoying too this is really joe pesci at his worst in these movies he well, just you, re- recites you know, the same catchphrases over and over it sucks i agree as i was as i was mentioning earlier um in burn notice it happens like that too where you have two main characters at first and then you start adding people to the group that become per- permanent characters. So I guess mm-hmm. everything that, yeah, it starts. The Jim Norton role. Just that's that's what that. happens. Yeah. So, Somebody right, gets a little tired. Is gonna mention a little bored. Bird notice two times in one episode. <laughs> I'm going to say the thing I haven't said the whole time. I loved TV shows that were built like this, right? So like Xena, uh, Hercules, like those two films where it's like, these are your two characters. Sometimes the side character is fucking gone, but these are the two characters they're the dumbest roles together. They shouldn't yeah. be together at all. But we're just going to do it, and we're going to throw a new scenario at them every day. I would eat that shit up right now if they kept doing stuff like that. And like, if you're going to put TV on, and it's just two people in hijinks, and I don't care when it is, I'm down so, with it. Do you mean, like, when they just solve, like, a, a thing? Episode just contain episode? Yeah. Every episode is a story? Yeah, Burn X-Files like was the same way. Yeah, well, I know. That's why I was bringing up fucking Hercules. I'm like, if this motherfucker's going to talk about his <laughs> so, shit, wait, I'm so going to talk about my so shit. So you've seen... You, you want procedural. That's NCIS. That's CSI. That's every but show. No, on... no but, those, but that's the thing, is that those shows, I have to know every character to follow along with, with like, what's going on. So my fiancé really liked Criminal Minds, right? And uh right. yeah okay. sure okay i could watch it i enjoyed it but i had no idea what the fuck was going on that was like the continuous story like the a plot that that, that is the whole show is based right. on i have no fucking idea uh, solve find the serial killer with your cool skills rad all this other shit i cannot keep up with it i get i get that the criticism from like the average person is like well you watched every episode of game of thrones and know all the lore but that's completely different because that show is like an involved show and not a a, a you know a self-contained monster mm. of the week type thing right when you get a monster of yeah. the week type thing 
you want X files, right? If you, if you have to deal with a new story every week, I just want to see two people doing it. I don't want to fight through understanding all these other different connections and who's married to who. And now this guy left the fucking show. So we're going to bring in a different dude that does the same thing. That is the same character, but he's got a different name because it's not the same character, but he's the same archetype. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't give a fuck about that. And, and, and so this, this, the, this buddy concept, I said, this is a bit of a tangent. This buddy concept is like lost on TV as well. And it's, I mean, we get to like the lethal weapon TV show where they have the same thing in it, where there's all these other people that like help them do things in these scenarios. And it's like, it's not, it's not really lethal weapon. So they, they also succumb not just to the nineties, uh, the, the, the nineties action, but remember diehard fucking 17 or whatever it is had had a 60-year-old Bruce Willis jumping out of a helicopter onto a jet as the jet went by and then off of that into a car. Like, it's way out of, out of fucking whack what the actual original versions of these movies are. But they have to do it if they want to keep people, I guess, going back to watch those, fi- those original two because they just get lost. They just get lost otherwise. Did you watch Suits, Jerry? <laughs> I, I love that that's your big takeaway from his his spiel just there is you should watch suits suits yeah it's every story is very contained there's like an underlying story about him being being caught up as like not a real lawyer mm. but it i hate really that guy's moles that. that dude has <laughs> some disgusting moles all over his face Wait. it's really gross it makes that show what, dude, unwatchable the manga, yeah gabriel he's got moles all down his Max face or something like that yeah. I can't take that man main, seriously. Main Suits. <laughs> Suits was another show that I watched for way too long. I think it's still going, but I, I watched like seven seasons of it or six seasons of it. And I was like, why am I still? Why? <laughs> it's just, oh, it's a new season. Cool. And then I would start watching it and I'd just be like, this is really bad. Like, this is really dumb. Why am I still watching it? Um, but do you, do you see him? Gabriel Max? I see him. I see him. And I'm just, I, what, what sucks is the joke in my head is like the second or third Austin Powers where I'm thinking of, of lower is just being like mole. Oh, Hey, how are you oh. doing? Mole over and <laughs> over. Mole, mole, say, mole. Yeah. He meets him and he just, he, every time he goes to speak to this actor, he's like, Oh, my name's Gabriel Mock. I'm going to get you a show on fucking NBC. Low res is a pleasure meeting you. And you're like, Oh yeah, it's a pleasure molding you too. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's disgusting yeah. uh <laughs> this is an anti-mole podcast let me call her mine uh yeah. it's like do we have a gross mole you're gonna have middle. to get that removed if we do any sequels to mass state lottery you know like tom I've, holland uh, he had a he had a I, real thick mole on his nose that he got removed to play spider-man which is the right move oh, yeah really? I, absolutely uh, well, I scr- I used to scratch it off when I was a little boy, but it just keeps coming. It just back, comes back so. bigger each time. Yeah, that's not a mole. Yeah. That's a tumor, Hans. That's <laughs> it's face facial cancer. You know, it's karma for making fun of uh, fucking uh, Roger Ebert's goofy face uh, so many times. <laughs> well, okay, so the, the one last, I guess, little point on this kind of like tangent that I was running on is that. One of the problems with entourage settings nowadays, which I guess is the thing I'm going to be talking about the whole fucking time, I'll get off of this, uh, is that everybody requires a massive paycheck, right? Because they're all kind of, they, they feel like they're a part of the main cast, right? So they all need re- require a larger paycheck than if you just had two people and filling this role. And that then creates different pods of friendships, right? Different uh, uh, levels of chemistry between different people in your entire cast. Where if you, when you have Lethal Weapon, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover train together for two months every day in martial arts with like fucking Hoy and Gracie and shit. Like they spent their time together for two months, just two dudes, right? Whether they, uh, whether it was every day or whether it was for fucking two hours every other day, they were around each other a lot before shooting the film so by the time whether they whether they already had some natural chemistry or not because that's how you cast films by the time they actually on set with each other they're fucking homies and they understand each other's range they under they understand uh the the yes and they need to do whenever they're doing their own little improv scene 
they understand how to let somebody execute their line when the good cutoff point is. Like, they know each other really well. So the on-screen chemistry, oops. I mean, yeah, you, you, we, I said this before. Sure, you can just cast a buddy film and put it out there, but you get to a point where maybe the, the uh, uh, economy behind acting right now and the way things are cast means that you can't really get that real buddy chemistry like that as as you could 1986 getting fucking Danny Glover and Mel Gibson together you know I, I think it's a lot different and a lot harder definitely definitely agree uh what do you guys think that uh any of the sequels are, are worthwhile because I, I would probably say that the the secondly the weapon film is pretty close mm-hmm. uh in terms of quality of that first movie and then three they kind of lose me and then by four uh, I'm enjoying it, but it doesn't feel like because of what you were saying, they have to update the, uh, you know, the 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 software, I guess, to fit the modern era. And then all of a sudden you have Chris Rock cracking jokes and you do have Jet Li as the bad guy. And I don't know. You it starts girl, to feel right. Don't they don't they add a girl? Well, uh, Rene Russo is introduced in the in the third movie. Uh, and she is a, a member of their team or whatever by the fourth movie, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a fourth, but just by seeing the cover where there's like a girl in the cover, it's like this girl was not in this before, so it's like very uh, Karate Kid 4 or 3. Well, no, three she doesn't replace one of the cops. She's just, <laughs> she's just there. She's just uh, loving In the show. What's the, the third with, yeah. uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Boys Don't Cry? Bring it back to cry. Elizabeth, yeah. Well, hold on. Yeah. What are you going to say? In Lisa Vanderpump? Who, who, are you, who are you going to say? Uh, Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth something. I don't know. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor? What? Elizabeth, yeah, that's a Karate so, Kid 3. When we talk about like Lethal Weapon 3 and 4, I think like yeah, the the, the Joe Pesci aesthetic uh, or involvement gets really hard to bear, um, especially if you like coming out of the first one. And then into the second one, and then by the third one or the fourth one. But they do also add, um, like they change the dynamic between the two characters to make it feel significantly more generic when the conflict comes between them later on. Because they had constant conflict in Lethal Weapon and in Lethal Weapon 2. Like, even though they had rounded out a lot of their issues together, it still mounted in different ways. They still had new pressures to put on each other. By four, they're just fucking best friends. There's legitimately nothing they wouldn't know about each other at this point. They are as close as you could possibly fucking be. And and there's not really real conflict. It has to happen because of the the influence of the plot, right? Because the plot has so-and-so getting kidnapped and -and such-and-such is happening to so-and-so, they have beef. But if you took those things out, they wouldn't have any beef. You just take Lethal Weapon... Don't make the big thing happen. Take these two characters, put them in a TV procedural, the exact same two characters. There's still the same drama every time. Still the same drama every time. This new version of them, by four, it's gone, right? And it's it's really cut and paste action TV or action action movie circa 1990, whatever. 2000, when did that come out? Uh, 1997, I believe it was. 98. Uh, there is There is plans for Lethal Weapon 5. With these right. old ass men, with this ninety-year-old director involved, Richard Donner. There's still, oh, as of as of last Donald, year, they said Donald. it's going to happen. <laughs> Danny, how old is Danny Glover? Danny Glover's Danny Glover. got to be pushing eighty, I think. He's older than eighty. Yeah, he has to be older than eighty. He was yeah. old in the eighties. He was like sixty in the eighties. <laughs> oh my god, he's only seventy-four. Yeah, he's not uh, that he's old. Like, He's like a year older than my dad, and he's like fucked off. He's like all melted. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is probably in his mid sixties. I would have to. I would guess. Yeah, sixty-five. And Richard Donner. Look up Richard Donner's age. (laughs) Again, Richard Donner's still saying he's going to direct this movie. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Wow. I mean, what was his last movie? Either. Hey, Clint Eastwood uh, is working. Geez. Yeah, but he's been working. Donner's last movie is from is Superman Two, 
the what? daughter cut no. is 2006. Hold on, oh. hold on. Well, that doesn't count. All right, 16. That's a re-edit. 16. 16 blocks? That yeah, 16 is blocks that the is good though. No, 16 blocks is good. Bruce Willis. Oh, that's the the uh, most F movie. When yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2006. 2006. I okay. actually like. I actually like that shit. And so it, he hasn't. Met- he hasn't made movies in fourteen years, and so he's he was in his now and... he was in his mid seventies when he made that. I mean, he's, he's... <laughs> <laughs> damn. No, but... no, but to to, I mean, to cap it, I like I, <laughs> I don't know that a fifth Lethal Weapon movie is gonna feel like Lethal Weapon in the same way that the eighth fucking. Die Hard movie didn't feel like the the a Die Hard movie, you know. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about action now that I think that they wouldn't do that would fit in the Lethal Weapon thing. Like they're gonna blow cars up way too big, you know what I mean? Way too many near death explosions, way too many fucking uh, fully automatic. I'm hiding behind a door gunshots, you know. It's gonna be lame. Yeah, I mean, look, it's probably not gonna be. I probably not gonna happen. I think Richard Donner's gonna probably He's croak gonna soon, die. and that's it. I think it ends with four. I think it yeah. ends with Damon Wayans and Clayton McClain. Bigsby. Uh, I think what's weird is that, and I'm only just learning this now because of the Wikipedia, is that Bruce Willis film called Blind Date, which I don't even really recall, actually usurped Lethal Weapon at the box office after two weeks. Hmm. It's not a big deal, but it's just weird that this particular Bruce Willis movie where he's like barefoot on the cover of it and covered in shit, but it's not Die Hard is the movie that was better than Lethal Weapon in the box office at one point. That's extremely peculiar. Also, Bruce Willis <laughs> needs to stop showing his feet and everything. What a what a weird guy. What is the deal with what? that? <laughs> what? That's one of the, the that's one of the that? big things of Die Hard is he's barefoot yeah, in the entire movie, barefoot. right? Yeah. He's yeah, badass, so, yeah. They should have just kept just, doing like, that with I, each movie. I would be excited about uh, Lethal Weapon 5 if they allow 91-year-old Richard Donner to also write it. Well, he's... Uh, no, no. Yeah, he's, <laughs> no. He's yes. also talking yes. about... He's also acting like he's going to direct Goonies 2, which is announced, and Corey Feldman is attached. They, wow. got, him, they got him on Zoom. Wow. James Corden's show. You know the James Corden Zoom show? Where he, yeah. where he brings everyone together because quarantine. Yeah, they got him on oh, for, right. for one of those calls. And he's like, yep, it's still happening. So oh you're going to get God. sequels to yeah. all your favorite 80s hits directed by a 97-year-old man. Yeah, because Corey Feldman has never you know, made himself seem bigger than he is or lied about his career and things that are happening in his life at all. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Corey. It's not <laughs> it's Corey. <very> <laughs> Richard Donner and Spielberg said they're going to do Goonies 2 with the adult wow. cast. Wow. Well, so they're just 50 year olds in the hijinks and adventures. Yeah. What are they going down they a do secret that? tunnel? Oh, no, guys. We're in a tree house. It's <laughs> adventures in a home for old people. That's what it's like. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. My back is too fucked up to go in this cave and fight these vampires. I'm going to go have a nap. Yeah. yeah, it's all visions. Yeah, we just have a lot of very fantastical stories where they're all visions in their own different yeah. heads. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, Corey Feldman's fentanyl paranoia. Everybody's everybody's <laughs> uh, fat and tired and laying around. And you have <laughs> weird, pale, gaunt, uh, 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 baggy-eyed Corey Feldman just hanging out, absorbing, absorbing what fame singing. he can. Just keep Ascension singing shitty yeah. songs, yeah, over and all. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, he's gonna show up like he's gonna show up dressed as Michael Jackson with the glove and everything, and he'll have the hat as that. Ca- he'll incorporate it into the character. It'll be great. Put uh, <laughs> glitter on his walker. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm looking forward to Lethal Weapon Five. I think this is a great, great point to end this show on the death of the buddy cop comedy. So Jerry, thank you so much for, for hopping on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Hans. You want to plug stuff? Plug we what? Always do that at the end. Jerry. You want me to plug stuff? No one's listening, Civic TV right? tonight. I don't know. 
Yes, yeah, Civic oh, yeah. TV on uh, Headshot LLC or twitch.tv forward slash Headshot LLC. Check that out. That's a, that's a fun time. Come through. And the the what, the Sunday School podcast you do with zombie. Oh, shit, yeah. It's Sunday School with Zombie and Bloom. You can get that on Spotify and uh, anywhere you find uh, anywhere you find podcasts. Listen, listen. If you watch, if you listen to an episode or something and you think that something I've said is incriminating, don't just don't tell the cops, right? And it's cool. If you don't yeah, tell same. the cops, it's cool. Same, because the fucking episode that I did with you is going to get me murdered by the cartel. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing now. We're laughing now when my fucking headless body shows up. God damn. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send you guys a picture of Hans's head just crawling across uh, the, the porch in a fuck, on the back of a turtle. Like, hey, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that one episode. Fuck. Yeah. Terrific. <laughs> Well, that's that's been movies for today. Thank you for listening.